Well, you may expect that we will be in 1 Corinthians tonight, but <laughs> we are gonna, we're going to be there just for a second. And I uh, was thinking early in this uh, week, actually the end of la- the week before that, um, being so close to Christmas, I wanted to do something Christmas, and what a great theme we've already had. Um, let's praise the Lord together. And so I want to look at a story that maybe we don't look at that often uh, from the Bible. And I think it's one thing that's just so great about God's word is that from Genesis to Revelation, over probably 1,400 years and 40 different men that lived in different generations, God put together a redemptive story for us to know and to understand and to believe in and to be saved by. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about these things and the wisdom of God and the the power of God and the praises that God deserves from us, he says this, and we looked at this earlier, things which I has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And I would, I would tell you with confidence tonight, because the Bible teaches it, that that preparation began before time. We don't know how long ago. Because God is infinite and God isn't bound by a clock. But long before you and I ever began or the world started, God prepared a plan that no man would ever think of. And God keeps his promises And we want to look tonight at the story from Luke chapter 1 of an old priest named Zacharias. And we're going to look specifically at his prayer when his son was born. It's called the Benedictus, uh, the blessing to God, because God has blessed us. And so we'll look at that. But it begins, we're going to begin tonight before that even, in the last book of the Old Testament which is Malachi. So if you want to turn there, we're going to look at just a little bit there in Malachi. I was reading through, reading through that this week, and um, I had highlighted in a verse here. This is just, this is just extra credit. <laughs> but... Um, it says there in Malachi 3, 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Because God has promised, and God has a plan and a purpose. But I want to read um, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And it says here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then 400 years happened. Between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years of nothing, of silence of waiting, of looking for that. There were people 
who were still looking for the coming of the Lord, to God's promise to be fulfilled. And I would tell you tonight, we're still looking today. Don't quit looking. Don't quit hoping in the God who does not change, the God who has promised, the God who has prepared from before time began for you and I or the world began, God had prepared a plan for you and I to trust in and to hope in and to praise him because eye is not seen and ear is not heard what God has prepared for you and I. And that great plan of redemption is the gospel message today. And we still look for his return. And there were people in this period between Malachi and Matthew that 400 years who were still looking, still waiting, didn't know when that would take place, um, but they knew it was coming and they hoped in that and looked for that. And it had been generations. So we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1 and we're going to read this story. And I'm going to try to put that together. Our praises to God tonight. Praise the Lord for what he has done. Um, and I think as uh, we'll see in the Benedictus um, that uh, Zacharias revisited God's faithfulness. And I think that's a good thing for us to do sometimes, to revisit God's faithfulness to us when things seem hard or things seem like God has forgotten us or whatever. Revisit his faithfulness and know that he hasn't gone anywhere. He is still faithful to his promises. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And I told you we're going to read some of this story and we're going to kind of try to piece it together and make a few comments. Uh, we got three points for praising the Lord tonight. Um, and so we'll look at those quickly tonight. Uh, but I just, it's a good story and I think it has some good lessons for us. And in this too, we'll look at that as kind of our application. Uh, Zacharias is going to be um, disciplined. And that's another thing that um, we want to think correctly about. The Lord disciplines those that he loves. Um, it's not really punishment, but there's a discipline and there's lessons to be learned in that discipline from the Lord. And so we'll kind of apply that tonight. But verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, or Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And I would stop there and say, that chosen by lot to enter that time into the Holy of Holies was no accident. God was in control of every step of this story. It had been a long time. Since anyone had had a vision or a visitation. And so here he was, this priest performing his duties. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the 
incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. You know, evidently, Zacharias has been praying for this child and has been offering up requests to the Lord for a child or whatever they might be, but he was, he's been praying, and the angel assures him that his petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. That's an amazing sentence to me right there. And, and unborn children are people, are alive, and this spirit, God, in a miraculous way, this tiny baby inside Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit before he ever came to be because it was in God's redemptive plan for you and I. This is part of it. He said in Malachi, my messenger will go before me. And God prepared that messenger. And before he was even born, he was filled with the Holy Spirit with power and might. Enough to recognize, even later, we won't get to that part of the story, but enough to recognize later when Mary came bearing the Lord Jesus, he leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb at the, at the sound of Mary's voice. An amazing thing. Eye has not seen and ear could not figure out or hear what God has planned and what God has purposed to do. And here we have this great story of, of this gladness that's going to come and this rejoicing at the birth of this one that would go before. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine. We read that, uh, verse 16. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he, he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers back to the, to the children and the disobedient to, to the attitude of righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know for this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, You know, he could have said, You know you've been praying for this, Zacchaeus. You don't believe me still? You've been praying for this. Did you not think God would answer your prayer? I said your prayers had been heard. Your petitions have been heard by the Lord God, and I've come from his presence. And he answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Again, there's a great sentence right there and a great thought right there. In God's timing, these things will take place. In the proper time, God will bring these things about. It may have been 400 years, but you know what it was now? It was the proper time for this to take place and these things to come about. The people were waiting for Zacharias and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. 
And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days which he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. And she hadn't had a child, and that was uh, kind of a stigma in those days um, that a woman didn't have a child. She was probably, it was just, it was important that they had a child. And so Zacharias couldn't speak when he came out. Nine months, he couldn't utter a word. This was discipline from the Lord. Yes, probably so. It was, he didn't believe the Lord. He didn't believe what God had told him through the angel Gabriel. He couldn't speak. In fact, we'll see later where they said they made signs to him. Some commentators think he couldn't even hear. He couldn't hear or speak because they made signs to him later to try to communicate with him because he couldn't hear their voices. We don't know that for sure, but some say that because they made signs, he couldn't even hear. But here he was for nine months, nine months. He couldn't uh, speak. He couldn't uh, utter a sound. Um, you know, and in, um, in, this, in these players we've had already, Zacharias, um, you know, his name means God remembers. Elizabeth, her name means God is faithful. John means God is merciful. And of course, Jesus, who would come, our Savior, His name is God saves. So if you put those all together, even in their names, there's God's plan. You could put that in a sentence and say, the faithful God who shows mercy to sinners has remembered his promise to save. Right there in their names is God's plan of salvation. So what's going to take place? Well, let's read the rest of the story and get to the Benedictus. Now, the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias, or Junior, after his father, and Zacharias hadn't spoken for nine months and eight days now, or whatever before she got pregnant, whatever time that was, he hadn't spoken a word. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And that's where some think that maybe he couldn't even hear. He couldn't speak or hear. They made signs. What do you want to call him? It's up to you, Zacharias. What do you want to call him? And he asked for a tablet, and he wrote as follows. His name is John. He was obedient to God's command, and that was important. He was disciplined because he didn't believe. He he was obedient. He had nine months to think about this plus, and to ponder these things, and to not be able to speak. And once his mouth was opened, And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he began to speak in praise to God. Fear came on all those living around, and all of the matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in 
All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And here we come to our passage, the Benedictus, or this praise that God, that Zacharias offers. We want to look just a little more closely at this, and we'll make a few comments on that. We're going to look at our first point is, the first thing is praise for the Lord's appearing. Praise for the Lord's appearing. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the God of Israel. So praise was the first thing when his mouth was opened, was praise to God. And here when he began to prophesy, what came out of his lips? Praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, blessed be the God, the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. One important point there. Do you notice that he is speaking in the past tense? He's speaking as if it's already happened. And Jesus hasn't been born quite yet. John was born first. They were about three or four months apart. He hasn't been born yet. And he says, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. This was God's power. That horn of salvation was that symbol of power. It's like a ram or an ox that has these horns. It's It's the business end of an animal. It's their protection. It's their power. It's what they use to charge and to overcome things. This, this horn of salvation is a picture of power. God's power is in this, this birth that's coming, this accomplished redemption for his people. He's raised up this power that he's promised in the house of David, his servant. So he goes back to, to David and he goes all the way back to, uh, well, we, let's go back to, um, I think it's, 2 Samuel 7, 2 Samuel 7, uh, let's see if I can find that, 2 Samuel 7, um, I wrote that down somewhere, 12 and 13, 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 and 13, uh, when your days are complete and you will lie down with your fathers, he's talking to David here, a prophecy, I will raise up. Uh, your descendants after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall, he shall build a house for my name, talking about Solomon, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So there's that, that promise to David that one would come from his line that would be established that throne forever and ever. There would be a king that would set eternally. And this was God's power, God's purpose, God's plan. In this praise to God, he says, you've accomplished redemption for your people. You've raised up this horn of salvation in the house of David, your servant, his servant. And he spoke as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. So in power, God is going to do this. Great praise he offers, exuberant praise to God he offers. And, you know, I think even in that Um, that great exuberant praise for God should come from the lips of God's people. And when it does, it speaks of genuine faith in their lives. So don't stop praising the Lord exuberantly. It's evidence of the faith that is there within you. Sing to the Lord for he's come. Uh, Sing for he is is going to appear. Um, He's come from heaven to earth. Salvation is then is not, 
Salvation is not a human invention or human wisdom. It's a divine visitation. It's a divine visitation. God has come. God, he speaks that in the past tense. He's accomplished redemption for his people. He's raised up this horn of salvation. He's talking of, in the prophecy of, of Christ is coming and this forerunner is his son. So salvation isn't a human wisdom or AI or, or computers or your cell phone or anything else. It's a, it's a divine visitation. And we celebrate and we praise God this week for that divine visitation when the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, came into this world and left heaven was placed in the body of a little baby. Didn't look like power. Eyes, eyes and ears wouldn't believe that story, would they? But it was God's plan and purpose, and God was in the middle of that redemptive story, and this child was here. We could never go to God, but he was willing to come to us. We could never make it across that, that chasm of, of separation that sin has caused, but he was willing to come into our box and save us. A divine visitation. Praise the Lord for his appearing. For he has come to save his people. And, and it says to, to save his people from their enemies. From the hand of all who hate us. And you know, he may have had in mind they were, their real enemy was Rome at the time. He may have had in mind that. But so much more than that. It's from the enemy that so easily plagues us our sin nature and that sin and the flesh and the devil and those are our real enemies and those that hate us in the world today people hate God people hate the people of God so don't be surprised that they hate you if you've trusted God but God has rescued us will protect us for all eternity even if death comes in this life we are not separated from God because of that because God has promised. He saved us from our enemies, of all who hate us. And then in verse 72 through, uh, through 75, praise the Lord for he remembers. And he's, gonna, he's not only remembered David, but he's going to go all the way back to Abraham too, or Abram. And he says in verse 72, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, in other words, from the enemy of sin and Satan and the flesh, saved us from our own... Do you know what Christ saved us from? From sin and the punishment of sin, from separation from God, but he also saved us from our own selfishness, our own wanting to go my own way and wanting to do what I want to do. Oftentimes I explain that I don't dare not do that today. My leg isn't totally healed, but, but I often explain that to children, that that sin nature that separates us from God and sends us our own way is that I want to do what I want to do. Just kind of stomping our foot and say, I want to go my way. And all we like sheep have gone astray. God has saved us from that, that selfishness, that, that sinful desire to go our own way and to ignore God, to God has sworn to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve God, that we might serve him without fear to serve God and to glorify him and to worship him the rest of our life. Um, praise the Lord for for this uh, hope remembered and this hope that's reached us that God has not forgotten us and God has promised so we count that as sure and fixed a certain expectation that God will fulfill what he has promised to us. 
that he, we would be rescued from the hand of our enemies, the hand of sin, the, the, the punishment of sin, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Joyous service, I would say. Joyous service to the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord for his promise. Uh, we looked at Second Samuel. Uh, we could also look at Abraham, the, what God's promise to him in Genesis chapter 17, that he would uh, receive a blessing, that one would come from his line, that the whole world would be blessed in. Salvation from our great adversary. We've talked about that. Free from sin. Free from sin and sanctified to serve in joy and in righteousness. Not our own righteousness, but the holiness and the righteousness that God gives to us when we trust in Christ as our Savior that is imputed to us and we are free to serve God and in, in holiness and in righteousness, in fellowship, service that is joyous and glorious and we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord tonight for His appearing. We praise the Lord tonight for His promises remembered and His power that brings these things about. And all of this is in this prayer from Isaiah who is recounting all of these things. I read one commentator this week that said, there are many scholars who think they can find 33 references to the Old Testament in this short prayer of Zacharias. 33 allusions to the Old Testament within this short prayer. I didn't look for them all or try to find them all or write them all down for us tonight, but there's much here from the Old Testament that Zacharias looked back and he was praising God for his finally coming and he was praising God for those things that he had promised and remembered and he wasn't going to forget and he just, the praises of the Lord were on his lips and he wanted to serve the Lord in holiness and righteousness and he gives us that same opportunity today when you trust Christ as your Savior, you have received the gift of forgiveness. You have received uh, salvation. But you know, you've received Christ's righteousness and God's holiness. And we can serve him because we are declared justified in his sight. And that's none of our own doing. It's none of our own invention. It's because of a divine visitation that we celebrate this week that Christ has come. The one that was promised is finally here. And we're excited about those things and, and zealous over those things. And Zacharias is uh, recounting God's promises and offering praise for God's power and for his remembrance of those things that he promised long ago and for deliverance and for salvation and for uh, an opportunity to serve him joyously and, and fellowship with him. For the rest of his life, he says that in holiness and righteousness before him, all of our days, all of our days. I don't know about you, and I know there's lots of folks here that are um, been a Christian probably longer than I have. But I, I can't, I can't imagine a day when I don't, to the end. We, we worship the Lord and we worship it in holiness and righteousness because he's brought these things to us. And our, our praises, like Zacharias has these praises on his lip when they've finally been opened to the Lord. Our praises are what? For all of our days. Don't stop praising the Lord. Don't stop giving him glory and honor and worship him and serve him in gladness and joy because he has given us that opportunity to do that because he has visited his people. He has come. And then, you know, Zacharias, he, 
in this next part, uh, praise the Lord for his perfect plan of salvation. For his perfect plan of salvation. And here he begins in verse 76. And I just, I see Zacharias. He's, he's finally had his mouth opened. And he's praised the Lord. And he's offered up this. The Holy Spirit has filled him. And he's prophesied these things about God's power. And he's offered praise for God's coming. And he's offered praise for what the Lord has remembered. And then I just see him turning to little baby John. And he says, and you, child. And he looks to John. I just see him turning and looking to that baby that's just been born. That he had petitioned the Lord to have that he didn't believe was really going to happen. And he's had nine months to think about this and to ponder this. And now his lips are open and he says, and you child, and don't miss the significance of the order. John's born first, but he talks about him second. Because Christ was first in place. John was the first born, but Jesus would be born after. But John would even later say, I, I must decrease and he must increase. I'm not fit to tie the thong on his sandal because he's the Savior. And when people ask him, John, who are you? I am not the Messiah, but behold the Lamb of God. There he is. Don't miss the order here. He was born first, but he, Father, put him in second position. And he says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way, just like it said, where? In Malachi chapter 3. You will go on to prepare his way to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. That's so important too. Go on to give his people the knowledge of salvation. You know, we wouldn't have thought about this on our own. The plan and the purpose and the way of salvation was through this child that would come. And John was going to announce that. John was going to prepare the way for him, but he was not the way. He was going to make it known. And when we preach or we read God's word and we expound upon that, we point people to Jesus. He's the way. He's the life. He's the one that was promised. He's the one that appeared. He's the one that we praise He's the one that remembers his promises and doesn't forget them. So God decided to have him come into this world and to give his people who began with this one that came before his people, the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Call to confession is what uh, John preached. A call to confession, a call to turning and looking toward the Lord and to, and to look to him to, for salvation and for the forgiveness of their sins, not the temple, not the, not the priest, and not, not what they were doing there, but the Lord had sent his son, and this was going to be a new way. No longer sacrifices. The perfect sacrifice was here, and that's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, because one day he would offer himself on the cross for you and I. Here was God's plan of salvation. To give his people the knowledge he had him go before. And Christ would talk about salvation. How he would suffer and offer himself. So that we could be forgiven of our sins. And why was this? I love this verse too. Up here he talks about the, up here he talks about the mercy of our God. Has brought this about. And here he doubles down on that. He says because of the tender mercies of our God. The deep 
in the literal, I think it says, because of the tender bowels of our God. In other words, it's just a deep gut feeling to help those who cannot help themselves and are lost and are separated. The tender mercies of our God have brought this back, this about. And then he thinks about this, this caravan of people on a trip. And he says, with um, the tender mercies of our God, which with the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And I think he goes to this caravan out. He has this thought of people on a trip in the middle of the desert, maybe in total darkness. And in the old, in the old way they would put this would be when the, when the day spring comes, when the first dawn of light starts to trickle across the horizon and it had been 400 years and there had been no light. And finally, there was, a, there was a little bit of light on the horizon, a hope. It's that caravan out in the middle of the desert with, in darkness and lost, away, not able to find their way, not able to not only not find their way, but in great danger from animals out there in the wilderness or from those things that would want to hurt them or, or just come upon them subtly and kill them, this caravan lost and in the darkness and in danger will see a great light, a great hope. I used to get home early in the morning when I, when I worked third shift. I'd get home early in the morning on my running days. And times like this, I'd get home in the morning pretty early, maybe 6, 7 o'clock. It's still dark. And I would get changed quickly and head out the door for my run. I like to run. That's the only thing that got me out the door in the dark. But out there on the road, I used to imagine, what's lurking on the side of the road there? Is there a, is there a pack of coyotes about to chase me down? And when I would get toward the end of my run and the sun would start to come up, the light was such a joy to see. And I could finally relax a little bit and know what I was stepping on or not stepping on. And the light, the day spring of the light. Here we have this caravan, this people that is in the, in the darkness. And this great light has appeared. Uh, this, this, this hope has come in the light. And this hope is Christ. Uh, so we come to him and come out of the darkness when we trust him. We come out of that sin and that, that danger of separation from God and punishment and the wrath of God. And this light has come to shine upon them. Those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. In the way of peace, in the way toward Christ. Forgiveness and escape from God's punishment and wrath. And, and given a new life, a new life to live. Uh, it's not, you know, the world would tell you today, we, we've got to make everything better and we've got to, be, we've got to become green by what I see today, an, an ad on Honda. We, we're committed to be uh, fuel efficient and green by 2050. And we're going to save the planet. Well, it isn't, it isn't social transformation, but it's spiritual regeneration that we need. One by one, God saves people. And that's, you know, if everyone would trust Christ in the Savior, as their Savior, that would change the planet. In a big way. Spiritual regeneration. Um, quickly, a couple lessons from Zachariah's life. I, I know we've gone through this kind of quickly. I um, didn't want to take too long tonight, but I just wanted to think about why we praise the Lord at this time of year. Um, for his appearing. Uh, for the Lord has remembered us. 
and he has visited us and salvation is available and we can serve the Lord today in righteousness and holiness all the days of our life because of what he has done. Um, and a couple of lessons from Zacchaeus's life and his, his silence that when he didn't believe the Lord and he couldn't speak for this time, in difficult times of discipline, um, God's promise keeps us hoping. God's promise keeps us hoping. Zechariah uh, couldn't speak, but what did he have? He had a promise from God that there would be a son born and he would make the way straight for the one that was coming. And he had a hope that one day when that child was born, he would be able to speak again, be able to speak again. So when relief comes, when we, when we saw relief come for Zacharias, what did we first see him do? It said there in verse, uh, when he named him, he said, his name will be John. And it says in verse 64, and at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. When relief comes from that, that trial or that, that discipline or whatever it is in life, when relief comes, or even if it dis, doesn't come, our mouths are to be filled with praises to our Lord and Savior. Because he's already accomplished the greatest thing if we've trusted him. We are forgiven and we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God that will never end because we are his child. Saved from our sins. And our praises should be on our lips for all of our days, when relief comes, our mouths should be filled with God's praises. When we, when relief comes to, lastly, um, our faith should grow in sanctification. Um, the lessons we've learned, um, the lessons that God has taught us should continue, I think, to drive us. Continue to drive us. I think it doesn't, we don't have the whole story here, but I just... I see Zacharias when it said, and, and you child, and you child. And I think Zacharias was involved with the training of that boy, involved with teaching him. Don't you think Zacharias told him the stories of when, you know, before you were born, I was in serving the Lord and suddenly an angel appeared. And boy, I wished I would have believed him, but I didn't. And then I couldn't talk for nine months, son. And then when I wrote on the little tablet, his name is John, my mouth was opened. And I began to praise our Lord and Savior, John. And he, he was involved. He was changed by that discipline of God. Praises were on his lips. He grew in his faith and he grew in his understanding of God's plan and purpose. Not completely did he understand everything. But he grew, and I think the lessons that the Lord can teach us in sanctifying us uh, sometimes can be hard lessons, but God's lessons continue to grow us, and it should continue to drive us not away from God, but closer to God and serve him all the days of our lives. Some great lessons here as we celebrate this week, and we praise the Lord for his appearing. He's come, and we celebrate all week long. Um, there were some kids in our junior church today. They were like wailing so bad. And they said, I just can't wait. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't and shouldn't we as adults be like that to celebrate the Lord's birth and say, we're going to celebrate Jesus' birth this week. I just can't wait to offer him praises this week. 
offer him our very lives for the rest of our lives. We can learn a lot of lessons. Let us learn this lesson that God has visited us. And he's brought salvation and healing in his wings. And he offers that to each of us. So if you out there tonight and you've never trusted Christ in your Savior, you are sitting in the land of darkness with no hope. But there's a light. There's a light that shines. And it's called the gospel. And God sent, God sent his son not to judge the world the first time, but to save it. And that salvation is still free and is offered today through Jesus Christ. That's why he came. That's why he offered himself on the cross one day for you and I. So that we could worship and serve him in righteousness and holiness all the days of our life. Uh, don't, miss, don't miss this Christmas season, that great gift. That God came and what he brought with him for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this time tonight and for this time of the year. We give you praise tonight for you have, you have come. We praise you for your coming and your appearing. We praise you that you do not forget. Your promises are sure and fixed. And Lord, we praise you tonight for this great plan of salvation. Uh, in the details of, of a baby born and then another baby born that was you. And you prepared the way, you prepared all the details, and you brought it about perfectly. We just, Lord, bottom line, we offer you our praise tonight and thanksgiving for all that you've done for us. And let us be joyous this week and share that great gift of the gospel to all that we can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.